Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 1, Episode 16 of Charmed, Which Prue Is It Anyway? Yeah. Some of these titles. Yeah. Which is too bad because it's a solid episode. It's not, like, great. But it, I, I think it's a pretty solid episode. Um, I It is a solid episode. It, in my opinion suffers from the fact that it's right before an episode i cannot wait to talk about honestly it does kind of suffer from being sort of in the midst of a bunch of really good episodes of charmed yeah i mean is there a movie in the house is an episode that again terrible title terrible title great episode great episode this episode was directed by john Baring, mm-hmm. who also directed what i think is universally understood to be the best episode of charmed go on morality bites oh yes uh okay yeah fair that is that is i think generally accepted to be the best episode of charmed and uh, this episode was written by javier grillo Marcosh, who also like the king of season one here i know right he did the story for feats of clay Ugh. i know right uh but he did he wrote dead man dating oh yeah he also wrote a couple of groaners I was flipping ahead to see what he wrote that we're going to get to later. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of terrible titles, uh, She's a Man, Baby, A Man. Uh, that was kind of in the uh, F.U. Shannon Doherty run of episodes later. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of a run of episodes later that are... Uh, reflecting some issues with shannon doherty there's the one where she gets turned into a man there's the one where she gets turned into a dog isn't there one where she's invisible i was about to say i i was gonna make a joke about there being one where she's invisible and can't talk (laughs) but i i think there is one where she becomes invisible but this episode yeah this episode is the opposite of that because we are going to have three shannon doherty's yeah so do you think she did this spell wrong, or do you think the person who wrote the spell was just kind of messing with whoever was going to perform it? Because I feel like the spell does not do what it was advertised to do. I forget what it was advertised to do. It's supposed to, like, I think it's increase your strength threefold. And if you're writing a spell down that says that it's going to in- increase your strength threefold... You don't go into that thinking, oh, it will make two magical copies of me. Also, they're not really copies. What it essentially does is split Prue into her id, ego, and super ego. Mm. And only her super ego is quote unquote real. It's. I mean, we're, we're talking id, ego, and super ego in very loose terms. I'm thinking more her angry and horny sides. Well, no, 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 it's her, it's her conservative side and her angry, horny side. I said only her super ego is considered real. Only her ego is considered real. Mm. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. Yes. So the episode opens with a boxer boxing in a boxing ring, but he's boxing too much, everyone. Too much boxing? Too much boxing. And unbeknownst to him... A man is lurking in the shadows to watch. These, this is a very oddly lit gym. The guy's all in the shadows except for his eyes. It's a dramatically lit gym. Mm. Also, like, it's it's 
lit so that from overhead you get a very dramatic shot of the of the boxers yeah i really do like the composition of this opening scene yes okay you know what i'm i'm being too hard on it because yes from above it's an amazing shot but in my head like the nitpicky part of my head is going who's that lighting for <laughs> There's nobody who can see that other than the camera. Yes, this is a gym that's lit for the cameras that are, you know. In a place where there are no people. Yes. So, the boxer boxes the guy he's boxing too hard, and the coach needs to step in and make him stop. He gets sent to the showers, where he's confronted by the man from the shadows, who's got a real mullet thing going on. Yeah! I think I know what both of our time freeze is going to be for this episode. <laughs> it's business up front and evil in the back. So, the man tells the boxer that he, he's he been watching him for a while and he's got a real killer instinct because apparently he beat someone to death in the ring. How is boxing legal? That's so bizarre to me. That you can just murder someone as long as, you know, it's in a ring and a lot of people are looking at you when you do it. I don't know that that happens a lot outside of TV and movies. I have to imagine it happens at least sometimes, though, right? Honestly, I, I don't know. It's not. Hmm. So this, uh, the mullet-haired man takes out a crystal sword, which he's going to use to steal this boxer's killer instinct. So he stabs the boxer to death, thereby taking his killer instinct. It Although, seems like you already had enough killer instinct. Yeah. That's what I would argue, right? You know, what with the killing and all. Right. So, God, there's a lot of artsy shots here. We got back to the manor, and it has this kind of slow downward swoop from the chandelier Mm -hmm. as Piper and Prue enter the house to see, I guess now that they've brought in Grams, they can start mentioning her more. I feel like their mom kind of came up more than Grams, but here there is a statue that Grams had that was in storage, but they couldn't afford storage anymore because, you know. Well, I mean, I I think they just decided it wasn't worth it to keep renting out a unit when they have a giant house and just the three of them living in it yeah piper mentions that uh Prue's complaining about the giant statue and piper's like look i'm not paying for storage anymore so i guess piper i I can see piper being the one who takes care of that sort of thing it's weird because Prue's like the mom of the family but Mm -hmm. i feel like piper handles a lot of the more practical stuff just around yeah i think that's probably true um Prue thinks it's a really ugly statue it's fine it's fine it's like pseudo grecian yeah and Piper's like, look, if you don't like it, why don't you just move it into the basement with your powers? And Prue tries to, and nothing happens. And Piper's like, yeah, it took six of uh, Phoebe's bouncer friends. So Phoebe has a lot of bouncer friends. God, I- I'd like to hear more about that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sorry, it took eight of Phoebe's bouncer friends. And Prue's like, you know, my powers are still growing, so someday I'll be able to move it to Timbuktu. And Piper's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And until then, Piper would like to emphasize something we've never said before, that this house is a democracy and we vote on what is going to happen. And she and Phoebe have voted that the statue stays there. You know, the statue that their dead grandmother left them. Well, I mean, I don't think she left them that so much as she left it. Yeah, I mean, I guess she just died and all of her stuff went to them. Yeah. But, I mean, come on, it was probably, well, I don't know how important it was, it was to She her. had it in a storage unit. Yeah, point. Meanwhile, Phoebe is kickboxing in the uh, living room because 
she needs an active thing to do, so they're going to kind of shoehorn her in kickboxing now. Well, I mean, fair. Premonition isn't really a fighting move. Mm. I, she has this, like, really weirdly advanced fighting dummy. Yeah, I remember seeing those everywhere for a while in the 90s. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was. It, this is the only place I've ever seen it. It, like, lights up when you kick it and, like, lets you know if you did it right or not. Yeah. And Prue's like, so what's with that? And Phoebe's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm sick of being the one who's always getting abducted by demons, you know. So I, I'm learning to kickbox, which, fair, I guess. Yeah, I totally. Mean, honestly, it seems like, I don't know, carrying a knife everywhere you go might be more effective than this, but. No, no, you still have to know how to use it. Like, if you're talking about self-defense, a weapon, if you don't know how to use it, is just something that somebody's going to take from you. Point. But Phoebe seems to have done a pretty good job just with improvised stuff so far. Yeah, think how well she'll do when she's trained. I mean, not very well because every episode of Charmed ends basically the same way. She should learn how to, uh, like, talk really fast. She should learn some offensive spells. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't need an offensive power, you're a witch. You just need, like, potions. Yeah, I I feel like later seasons actually does sort of stuff with this but you'd think that they do more not power of three spells per se but just like spells yeah just like defensive spoken spells are you a witch or not yeah so uh prue is very condescending about the whole kickboxing thing and prue's and uh phoebe's like oh yeah well come at me and prue just telekinetically shoves the dummy into phoebe (laughs) (laughs) i like how phoebe's like that's not fair and prue's like yeah the way demons aren't fair? Like, that also powers? So Phoebe grabs her arm and twists it behind her back, which triggers a premonition of Prue getting the crap stabbed out of her. Yeah, with the crystal sword, with the mullet guy that we saw earlier. Yeah. So, uh, it's not, it's not great. But at least you're getting a heads up about it, so, you know. Phoebe very dramatically says, I saw you die. Like, she hasn't stopped people from dying when she had premonitions about them. So many times already. Yeah. That's the point of your premonition. You should be worried if you don't have premonitions about her. Look what happened to John Cho. Right? Also, like, it's weird since we we all know that... Prue dies. Prue dies. But we cut from that to credits. God. And it, we... It's still so weird, you know, a show having actual credits. I know. I know. I'm actually watching uh, The Good Fight right now. Mm-hmm. And the good fight has a credit sequence that's, like, so long. It's, like, a full minute long. And sometimes they play it so late into the episode. I was watching an episode, and we were, like, 17 minutes in when the credits started. I'm like, at that point, you can't play the credits. That's, like, your act one out. That's it's not the time for credits. Yeah, I don't get that with modern shows. I mean, there are some cool, like... Orange is the New Black had a really cool opening credits thing, but it also went for seven million years. Like, they had to they had to institute a skip opening credits thing after the first season of Orange is the New Black because of how long it took to get to the actual episode. That's funny. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, that is right when, about when we start got the skip intro button, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Same for, uh, oh God, I think it was Weeds, where it had a cool opening sequence, but... Yeah, the Tiki Taki Boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Weeds and, uh, God, what was the other one? It was, um, the one with What's-Her-Face where she had Disassociative Identity Disorder. United States of Terra? Yeah. 
like i love the opening credits for united states of terror but it takes so long so um i already told you max this but i'm gonna tell our listeners i was doing the interactive kimmy schmidt that netflix came out with a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. and if you hit the skip intro button the guy who sings it comes out and yells at you and then plays the extended version. It's uh, pretty great. It actually was. <laughs> I actually really got into it. And then when they're done with the extended version, he comes back and he's like, see, it was a great song. You're welcome. <laughs> but charmed. Charmed. So, after- Ooh, I would love an interactive charmed. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. I'm assuming Charmed Classic and not New Charmed. Yes. I mean, we couldn't really get it now, though, because... Everyone's... 20 years older than they were when they did Charmed. Yeah. I guess it could be like a... I'm sure Holly Marie Combs would still be up for it. I know she'd still be up for it. She made it very clear that she would still be up for doing Charmed when they started talking about New Charmed, and she was so upset about not being invited back for New Charmed. I mean, that's not really how reboots work. Like... I know. It's well, like, it's because she didn't want them to do a reboot. She wanted them to do a sequel series. Yeah, which, I mean, I get... She's been in stuff, but she's... Like, Charmed was her big thing. So I can see her wanting to be more involved with New Charmed, but, like, you kind of just have to let stuff go after a while. I mean, she's obviously still really invested in Charmed. Yeah. Which is nice. I yeah. Mean, it's good that she's that invested in something she's in, and it's not like... Uh, you know, there are some people who don't like to talk about their most iconic projects. Well, so you know that watching a TV show regularly, you get the same serotonin hit in your brain seeing these people as you do when you see friends. Mm-hmm. Humans who are your friends, not the TV show friends. Yes. Um, yeah, the friends from Friends give you the serotonin hit <laughs> that you get from Friends, right? So... Even though you consciously know it's a TV show, like, a part of your brain, like, a lizard part of your brain is like, oh, it's my friends, I'm so happy to see them. So whenever you find out that they're all friends in real life, or... It feels nice. Yeah, or that they really loved doing the show, it, like, it it ups that serotonin hit. Mm. I'm listening to Office Ladies podcast right now, and the way that Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey talk about how they were actually friends in real life and how they all loved each other in real life. It's just like, oh, that makes me feel so good now. When I watch The Office, I get even more serotonin. You get the impression that Holly Marie Combs and Alyssa Milano really got along well because, mm-hmm. like, they still interact a lot on social media and stuff, and they were in that one episode of Grey's Anatomy we've talked about a bunch. Not so much the others. Well, Shannon well, Doherty and Holly... Shannon Doherty and Holly Marie Combs were very close. Mm. In fact, Shannon Doherty insisted that they hire Holly Marie Combs. Yeah. But Shannon Doherty and Alyssa Milano did not get along at all. They apparently, they reportedly hated each other. And Holly Marie Combs was so close to Alyssa Milano. And then after Shannon Doherty went out and insisted they hire Holly Marie Combs, she didn't do anything when they fired Shannon Doherty. You have to wonder what kind of strain that put on their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this is conjecture after the fact. Oh, 100% it's conjecture. Like, honestly, I would love to see a documentary about what happened with Charmed because there's so much behind-the-scenes stuff. You want, like, one of those lifetime unauthorized movies, like the one for Full House? That, that... God, no. <laughs> if they could do it 
competently. The one for Full House is, it's amazing because it's this like, sanitized, weirdly sanitized tell-all, and you can't do that. It's like, oh, did you know that Bob Saget swears a lot in real life, and uh, they all the cast all did whippets once. <laughs> oh no, it's. It's so incredibly sanitized. There's so much stuff that actually happened. And I would be really interested in a dramatization of the transition of doing a show about three stand-up comedians who live in a house together Mm -hmm. and how that evolved and turned into Full House. Yeah, because the story is really interesting. They're just, they weren't willing to actually talk about it at all. Well, that's why the Saved by the Bell one is better, because the Saved by the Bell one is based on Dustin Diamond's tell-all. But the problem is, Dustin Diamond's tell-all has a unreliable narrator problem. Yeah, like, it's all about how everyone hated him and they were all super mean people who were, you know, having orgies and doing drugs all the time and that not he wasn't invited him. to? <laughs> Which, I'm like doubt but you know you doubt that dustin diamond wasn't invited i wouldn't invite dustin diamond i doubt that those things happen i'm Ah. willing to bet that you know just no one would sleep with him or do drugs with him so when he did his tell-all yeah that sounds more accurate yeah so charmed charmed the show we are here to discuss So we get a lot of sort of establishing shots of the house and the kitchen. It's a really nice house. I I don't think we've brought up enough. It is. It's a great house. Uh, Phoebe is in the kitchen trying to draw the crystal sword that she saw in her vision so that she can figure out from the Book of Shadows, you know, what it was, who they're going to fight. I don't know why, but I really like the, I, I don't normally notice this, but I really like the videography in this episode Uh uh-huh there's a lot of panning shots and there's a lot of just slight angle work that i think really works like i don't think i really think about camera work that much but it's it's really good in this episode yeah so uh piper comes into the kitchen she's like drawing swords huh and phoebe's like yeah i'm trying to find you know figure out which one kills prue so we can find out who owns it and stop them yeah And then Prue comes into the kitchen and Phoebe's like, why are you dressed for work? I thought you were going to stay here so that you could not die. And Prue says she has to go to work because Claire called and told her she has to go to work to get this big account. I thought Claire wasn't going to be her boss anymore after last episode. She also says, I've worked so hard to get Claire to trust me with something big like this. She's from the bank she should be deferring to your expertise if not your authority also last episode she had a big client come have dinner at your house i mean it went horribly but yeah right oh maybe that's what she means maybe she (laughs) means i needed to get claire to think i was competent again after last week (laughs) note how that was in no way her job but yeah so prue's sisters are very big on her not leaving the house because they don't want her to get stabbed and prue's like you said that it was a guy who killed me in your premonition, and the client I'm meeting with is a woman, so clearly nothing is going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to see anyone on the way there. There won't be anyone else in the building. There's no chance that this is a trap and it's someone else. And Piper's like, okay, fine, but will you at least promise to come straight home 
from work. And Prue's like, what am I, five? Yeah, Prue's like, fine, if it'll stop you from complaining at me. Which, oh no, your sisters don't want you to die, Prue. What monsters. I mean, they are being, you can't just not live your life every time Phoebe has a vision. Honestly, they should just come with her to work. Yeah. Who's going to care? There's no one who works there. Uh, this episode, Prue has an assistant. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, from out of nowhere. So we cut from that to an establishing shot of Buckland's where we get the contractually obligated shot of a streetcar. Mm. And then we're in Buckland's. So Claire is filling in Prue on the new client. It's sort of the same thing as last episode. Prue. As you know. As you know, Bob. Uh, so this woman's family has more money than God, and they're all super old. So, you know, they're going to start dropping like flies soon. Same thing as with the professor from, you know, last episode. This woman, by the way, looks so aggressively 90s. Yeah, she's, okay, she's wearing like a white business suit with gold buttons, which is, I mean, it's like a Talbot special. It is very 90s. And her hair is like a bob, but it's like a big, full, voluminous bob. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, well, before we hire Bucklands, I want to make sure you know your your business, Prue. I need you to come with me to my family's warehouse alone with no one else. And Prue's like, well, she is a woman, so I should be safe. And clearly there's not going to be any third parties at this warehouse. It's fine. It's called Gift of Fear, Prue. Prue even thinks about it for a second. She's like, oh, a warehouse in the warehouse district away from other people? Yeah, okay. It'll be fine. Sure, whatever you say. So we cut to Quake where... It's inventory day. I don't get why this subplot's here. I mean, it, it's fine. It takes up like three minutes of the episode. They gotta give a... Uh... They got like for something to do. Apparently. They they literally couldn't think of anything to give. They literally couldn't think of anything for Piper to do. So they're like, I don't know. Just have her count the glasses a quake. I See, this is why I think Prue is the main character of season one. We kind of talked about how Piper was getting all of the strong plots for a while. Mm-hmm. And she was. But now she's counting glasses. <laughs> and God, she had that horrible romantic subplot last episode with that guy who was a jerk i mean i guess the woogie man was really more of a phoebe episode but i still feel like prue is kind of the main character of season one at this point i don't even remember what piper did last oh right right yeah she had a whole romance subplot yeah and god what did she do the week before that when prue was helping out that kid Piper, Piper's kind of been falling into the margins a lot recently. Yeah. Uh, we have our baby here, if you hear any baby noises. Just yeah. a heads up. So, Phoebe goes to Quake to tell Piper that she found the sword in the Book of Shadows. Apparently, it's this family, and they have this sword, and they use it to start wars. They're like immortals. They're like an order of evil knights, and they're immortal. They're, they're immortals, but their immortality is tied up with their swords, and the gods of war yeah or like embodiments of war yeah they're they're like horsemen of war or i wouldn't i wouldn't say gods they're more agents of chaos they they inspire war they incite it with their presence 
But they're uh, like war from Good Omens. Yeah, but there's a bunch of them, and they're usually dudes. And also, as long as they have the sword, the crystal swords, they're invulnerable. And one of the Hallowell's ancestors managed to depower one by telekinetically throwing the sword really far away. And once, uh, once one of them has been dishonored, they need to get their honor back through murder. Sure. Which... Apparently, they have to kill a bunch of people that represent their station in order to get their power back. So that's why he had to kill the guy who had the killer instinct. Yeah, which is the only bit of it we see. So this war-starting dude with the sword is after... It feels weird that they had him, like, I need to regain my killer instinct so I have to kill a boxer just to establish that I use my sword to kill people. Yeah, like, who is that boxer? He was just some guy. Yeah. Uh, it would it would have made more sense if he was just after Prue. I mean, they could have had him kill just some random blonde witch at the beginning. Honestly, I feel like this could have been... Uh, they could have kind of looped this into the Grams thing. Like the Hallowell, or Warren, who uh, took his sword from him telekinetically, you know, had it with the family and it was in the storage unit with the statue. And, like... They even established their storage unit. Yeah. Or they could have just made it that the Hallowell who... That a Hallowell had been the one who dishonored him, so he had to kill a Hallowell to regain his honor. I mean, that is kind of the case here. Yeah, but... Would the boxer have to do with anything? Yeah. Uh, maybe a boxer messed him <laughs> up after the Hallowell a, threw this... It was uh, a boxing Hallowell. No, 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 no. No. The Great Witch family, the Hollowells, teamed up with a great boxing family. So the Hollowell moved the sword away from him, and then the boxer's ancestor punched him in the face. There you go. That's what happened. <laughs> so Prue is down at the storage units to... The warehouse... Not Graham's storage unit, which would make sense, but the warehouse where this client has all of her stuff. Yeah. And you know what else she has there? What? A brother. <gasps> A brother who's really big on stabbing people. Yeah. Okay, so she shows up and, okay, first she's playing innocent. Yeah, she's like, oh, I hope I didn't scare you when I mysteriously appeared from behind you. And then she's like... Also blonde. Oh, yes, we didn't mention. We should have mentioned. Also, she's like, let me point out this antique stock and just go ahead and put your arms right in this antique stock. Dear Lord, Prue. Gift of fear. <laughs> right. So then the demon shows up and he locks Prue's hands into the stock. And he says that he assumes that Prue needs to move her hands to use her power. But it turns out, no, she focuses her powers through her eyes, not her hands. So she undoes the stock and then... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because... Her ancestor, Brianna, which kind of breaks the everyone has P names, which the Hollowells establish later, but, you know. Yeah. She focused her power through the hands, which is why they think the hand thing is going to work, but Prue focuses it through her eyes for now. Yes. I don't get why they change it up later. Like, later they change it up so that she focuses it through her hands, and then there's a scene later where someone stops her from using her powers by binding her hands, and I'm like... Can she not do it through her eyes anymore? That person hadn't watched this episode. But she throws the sister into the wall, and then she takes a hatchet and hatchets the brother in the chest, but, you know, he's got the sword, so he's immortal, so he just looks down at the hatchet like, you just messed up my suit. 
Then he then Prue runs and he throws the sword at her because apparently we're back in Once Upon a Time. Where you throw swords. But Prue gets out, she gets to her car and she takes off. And the brother tells the sister that they are not going to pursue her because she's headed home. And home is where she has the power of three. So, you know, they don't want to They're just going to wait for her to go to work and kill her there. Which apparently she'll just keep doing, even though there are demons after her. Or I guess in this case, they're mortals, not demons. They're just immortal mortals. Well, the guy, I guess probably the sister is too, right? I mean... Immortal? Yeah, if she's his sister. I think she's unaging, but not immortal. Mm-hmm. I think she can be killed, but she doesn't age. So, uh, so Phoebe pulls open the Book of Shadows. Uh, she finds Brianna. I do really like the uh, thing with this, with the Book of Shadows also being kind of an ancestry thing. Yeah, it's like a family Bible. Yeah. She says Brianna was their great, 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 great aunt. Mm-hmm. So maybe she wasn't in the line of women who have P names. Mm. Oh God, do you remember Graham's? I think it's Pamela, but I'm not sure. Uh, no, I don't think it's Pamela. Let me Google it real quick. Okay. Penny Hallowell. Okay. Huh. No Pamelas. I'm sure there are Pamelas somewhere. It makes sense that a new charm pivoted to M names. There are a lot more M names. Yeah. I always felt really bad for Phoebe that, like, they didn't even try to find a name that has the same sound. Like Pamela. Like Pamela. Or Paige. Yeah, they're, they're just like, eh. Good, good enough. enough. Please don't name your child Phoebo. <laughs> uh, so she, uh, this ancestor of theirs, Brianna. Piana? No. no. She also, uh, she also had telekinesis, but I'm like, she channeled it through her hands. And there's this great image of her doing, like, witch hands at the guy and the I was gonna say speaking of once upon a time these are some real once upon a time level illustrations it's weird because normally the book of shadows has pretty good illustrations but this is this is not great I just I, lo- I love her doing the like it, it's she's basically doing thriller hands yes that's exactly what she's doing and like the text wrapping is not great in this but she used her power to throw the sword miles and miles away hundreds of miles away because Anything closer, and he can just call it back to him. So Prue's going to have to be strong enough to throw the sword hundreds and hundreds of miles away. It's kind of a ridiculous plot. Yeah. This is a really tortured contrivance to get us to having three Prues. It really is. So... And speaking of that contrivance... Yes. Phoebe also found the spell of multiplicity, a spell that will multiply your power you're right that's a very misleading spell yeah and there's kind of a weird thing where piper's like i don't think this is a good idea and phoebe says why because it's mine which is not really a dynamic she's had with piper it's a dynamic she's had with prue well it's also weird because piper's like we have the power of three you don't need to increase your powers but number one that's not true because their plan involves throwing the sword number two this guy's not a demon so they can't banish him with a power of three spell mm. and number three this is just so transparently a way to again get to there being multiple proofs i mean if they could freeze him they could just freeze him take the sword and then drive really far away <laughs> get on an airplane yeah. like 
Come on. Also, I feel like this episode is kind of predicated on the sisters not being familiar with, like, video games or Greek mythology. Because, spoiler alert for the end of the episode, it turns out that he can be killed with his own sword. And that feels like such a basic thing. Also, that... No one's tried this before. Yeah, you're invulnerable except to your own sword. Sorry, you're not invulnerable. As I mentioned earlier in the episode with Phoebe, if you try to go at an attacker with a weapon and they're better than you, you've just armed your attacker. Yeah. Like, it's just weird that no one's tried. This guy's been alive for hundreds of years. And, I mean, Brianna's first instinct was to throw the sword hundreds of miles away, not stab him with it. I mean, it's the Rumpelstiltskin thing. Like, if someone has a magic weapon... Try it on them first before you try other magical stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, as you said earlier in the episode... This is the episode where they decided to use democracy. Yeah. So, Prue's like, okay, well, let's vote whether I do this spell or not. And Prue and Phoebe vote that she does the spell, and uh, Piper just has to suck it. Yeah. They needed to establish this. And Prue just starts reading the spell as she's walking up the stairs, and it's... Blessed be, blessed be, multiply my power by three. So the, the, the meter's not super great. I, there's often a problem with meter in these spells. But she's barely in the attic. I mean, she must have had time to just walk over the threshold in the attic when there's a loud crash and Phoebe and Piper run upstairs to see if Prue is okay, just in time to see her literally split into three parts. Yeah, she's kneeling on the ground. I guess she walked upstairs, put the book on the ground, and then kneeled in front of it to finish the spell. Uh-huh. And she split into three Prues. Ah! Okay, so later on this episode, they're going to color code the Prues with sweaters to tell which Prue is which. It's a good thing sweater sets are Prues thing. It is. But I also just want to point out that She's already coated with her hair. The good conservative Prue has the hair pushed all the way back behind her ears. The normal Prue has her hair, like, normally, like, the way she normally wears it. And the sexy, angry Prue has her hair, like, all the way down, falling into her face. Mm. I just... It seemed really funny to me. So, uh-oh. Three Prues. They really hammered in. They they have Phoebe count the prues. Yeah. Phoebe's like, wait, multiply your power by three. One. Two. Three. Oh! <laughs> anyway, then we cut to the next day when the, re- the real problem with this is that Prue's taking up all the bathrooms. So, okay. According to this now, we know that the Hollowell house has three bathrooms. Actually, I think it has it has two bathrooms. Mm. It has an upstairs bathroom and a downstairs bathroom. Prue is in both of those bathrooms. And then conservative Prue is being polite and also is already dressed and ready to go. Mm. So the interesting thing about this, unlike most clone stories, is that the clone Prues are aware that they're clones. They're aware that they will disappear when the job that real prue needs them for is done and they're totally fine with it yes and so this prue so this prue the conservative prue tells phoebe and piper that she's not the one who cast the spell but she does have all of prue's memories she remembers she you know we talked about this in farscape last week in our 
Welcome to the Uncharted Territories podcast. Like, what makes up a human? Yeah. She ha- she talks about, she's like, well, I- I'm a clone, but I have all Prue's memories and emotions, and I react to things the way Prue would react to, so I am in essence Prue, if not in actuality. Although, she doesn't actually react to things the way Prue would, I feel mm. like I need to point out. Yes. So... She chippily, uh, she cheerfully tells them that the house is out of hot water and then skips off. And Piper's like, this is like the parent trap with a bee cup. That's a terrible line. I hate that line. Also, how? Just because there's three of them. There aren't even three in the parent trap. There's two. Yeah. That, I hate that line. The premise of your joke is flawed. So, sexy, angry Prue wants to know if her skirt is sexy and angry enough, and conservative Prue's like, it's fine. Yeah, I like that they're all wearing a black tank top and black skirt, but sexy, angry Prue is wearing, like, a tiny, tight skirt, and conservative Prue is wearing, like, a pencil skirt, and regular Prue is wearing those really 90s skirts that, like, fell in a really unflattering place on the calf. So... Phoebe decides to color code the Prues by giving them different sweaters. Uh, Real Prue gets a black sweater. Uh, One of the Prues gets a pink and the other one gets a blue. Conservative gets a pink and sexy gets a blue. Mm. Sexy angry. You're right. You know, we should just say horny because horny is sexy angry, right? Hangry. Wait, no, that means something else. Horngry? Horngry. Yeah, horngry Prue. Although the captions just title them Clone A and Clone B, which they missed an opportunity to classify them conservative clone and horngry clone. Call us Netflix. So apparently Prue has an assistant who's already on job stuff. So one of the Prue's suggests, hey, why don't we just find Gabriel through, you know, the information his family gave Bucklands, and then the three of us can just, you know, team up and throw the sword really far away, and then the clones will disappear. And it turns out that in this episode, Prue has an assistant who's already working on that. She's already going through the database to figure out who Gabriel and his sister really are. Huh. I, I guess she but, has an assistant that we've never seen before, and I believe we'll never see again. Sure, why not? So... Piper, so Piper's like, are you sure that the three of you are up to the task? And luckily there was something that, you know. Yeah, if only we had established earlier something that Prue couldn't do alone that maybe she can do with her two clones. So the clones all kind of take hands, but not really because they don't have the technology for that. They all hold their hands over one another. Oh, yeah, that it's some rough green screen. And they telekinetically throw the statue out the window. I mean, they just lift it up and put it back down. Yeah. Which doesn't really demonstrate much. She couldn't lift it before, now she can. Yeah. But, I mean, if they really wanted to prove how strong they were, they'd throw that statue hundreds of miles away. I guess that's true. So the doorbell rings and it's Andy, who is contractually obligated to be here. I know. We're not huge fans of Andy. (laughs) Yeah, actually contractually obligated to be here, not like the joke I made about the streetcar earlier. Yes. Because he's front credited, so he has to be in every episode. Yeah. And uh, conservative Prue answers the door, and Andy's like, Hey, Prue, I'm still in love with you, even though weird stuff is happening. So 
I just wanted to know if you wanted to go to that concert we bought tickets for back when we were still banging. And conservative Prue is like, oh, I absolutely do, because it's the conservative part of me that's in love with you, I guess. I guess that's what's going on. Sure. So Andy gives her the tickets to hold on to. Yeah, and he's like, do, do you want to see Do you want to see this concert as a friend? Because as a friend, I'd love to see a concert with you, and then maybe we could, you know, have some friend sex afterwards. And she's like, that sounds nice. Meanwhile, Horngry Prue has picked up a phone call, and it turns out that it's Claire who is demanding that she get to Buckland's right now. Which, on the one hand, yes, that is her job. She should probably get to Buckland's right now. Hmm. But on the other hand, she's the only one who works there. I feel like she has more leverage than she acts like she does. Seriously. Because apparently the client is really mad that Prue wouldn't let him stab her. And Claire's like, you go, you apologize to that client, and you let him stab you. Do you know how much money we could make from this? Okay, it's weird. I understand that Prue is like not wanting to reveal that she's a witch so she can't just say hey the client that you sent me to a warehouse with her brother tried to stab me but on the other hand i feel like you can say that without bringing the supernatural into it yeah or like hey claire why don't you talk to literally anyone else who works at this auction house no one else does okay point so they decide that the prus have to split up but two of them are going to go to Buckland's and do, like, a comedy routine where one of them hides and one of them is there. Hmm. Because two of them can fight Gabriel off even though they can't throw the sword hundreds of miles. Why not? I don't know. They I, need all three. I mean, maybe not hundreds of miles, but probably pretty far. And, and the other the other Prue will stay with Piper because, you know, she has an active power. Yes, and could protect her. Again, this seems like the sort of thing where you could just have Piper show up, freeze him, and then... Well, okay, so Prue even says that. She's like, hey, other Prue will go with Piper. And honestly, worst case scenario, Piper freezes Gabriel and everyone runs away. And why isn't that plan A? That should be plan A. So Phoebe and Piper are like, yeah, we're not big on this plan. And we should vote on it. And they vote against it. And all three of the Prue's vote for it. Uh-oh, Prue's got three votes now. It's like, what is this? The writer's room of charm during seasons one through three before they killed her off? I was going to say, this is gerrymandering in action. Yes. <laughs> so, at Buckland's, there's this weird comedy thing where... Prime Prue is, like, holding a magazine in front of her face to disguise the fact that there are two Prues. It should really be a magazine with her face on the cover of it. That would be hilarious. Conservative Prue goes to get the address for Gabriel and then sends the assistant away by telling her to just go photocopy everything. Just literally everything. God, poor assistant lady. Okay, so then Prime Prue comes back and is like, why were you so rude to my assistant? And conservative Prue is like, I was just being a boss. Maybe if you didn't try to be friends with your assistant, you'd be a better boss. And this is not a thing that was previously established. Well, since when does Prue have an assistant? Yeah, you're right. Like, literally nothing was established. But I feel like... Prue needs to learn to stand up for herself and also Prue needs to learn to be sexier would have been a runner considering this plot. Mm. Like, instead of spending so much time establishing the 
war mortals who are immortal? Maybe you could have spent some time establishing what Prue needed to learn from her clones so that this episode was more thematically satisfying. Maybe you could have cut the uh, Piper does inventory thing and have a thing where her assistant's like walking all over her at the beginning of the episode until mean Prue yells at her. I mean, if you're already ripping off Buffy, you might as well rip off the whole Vampire Willow Percy thing. Yeah, although that's also kind of ripping off uh, happy endings. Yes. With Penny with her terrible assistant. So as soon as the Prues are alone, Claire comes back. Or comes in, I suppose. Yes, yes, yes. She wants an explanation for why Prue was so mean to that woman who tried to kill her yesterday. Yeah, she's like... The client was very offended at your behavior. How dare you, Prue? The bank's gonna fire you. Okay, right, the bank. Also, what exactly did she say? Prue did? Yeah. Claire, your, what would you call her, curator? Employee. Oh. Yeah. Would not let me murder her. How incredibly rude of her. How gauche. I'm going to call the Better Business Bureau on you. I heard that I heard that not infrequently at my old job. People said they were going to call the Better Business Bureau on you? Yeah, which I Okay, so for my old job, I'm not going to get into what I did, but I but uh it was I wasn't working for them. We were a company that did sort of work that was outsourced to us from other companies. Yeah, so your your clients were those other companies, not the people you were dealing with. Yeah, so it's like, go ahead, you're not our client. Our client didn't feel like dealing with you, so they hired us. Yeah, yeah. Claire's trying to burst into the office, but Pink Prue is stopping her. <laughs> Conservative Prue, yes. <laughs> and she's like, look, I already got the customer's home address so I can go apologize to them. And Claire's like, good, well, you better... Claire's like, that is a great idea. When one of my employees screw up, I definitely want them to show up at the client's home unannounced. I think Claire might not be very good at her job. This isn't her job! This Is is this just a runner in the Charmed universe where the writers don't know what people do for a living? What is job? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, so, okay. The Prues are gonna split up. Prime Prue is going to take Claire away, mm -hmm. some other place, and pretend that she got the address wrong. And she's going to send Conservative Prue to go to Quake and pick up Horngry Prue. Prue. <laughs> and then, wait, I... There's no good way to portmanteau Blue and Prue. I was like, Blue. Yeah, no. But... Then the two of them will just wait for Prime Prue to somehow get rid of Claire so that they can go throw the sword very, very far away. I know. It's not a plot that makes a lot of sense. So Prime Prue is unnerved by having to deal with herself. Yes. Like, Pink Prue is all, you know what, we'll, we'll see how the plan goes. And Prime Prue is like, no, I think the plan should just go, you go, you know, hang out with other Prue and my sisters while I handle this. And Pink Prue's like, mm, well, we'll see. Also, conservative Prue, Pink Prue, is like, how come you're always so concerned with what your sisters are up to? Maybe let them handle their own problems. What would they ever do without you, the way you keep checking up on them? And Prue's like, well, they're never going to have to be without me, so don't worry about that, conservative Ooh. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh... But then Claire comes back. 
and Prue shoves conservative Prue behind the door really quickly and Claire's like did you change your sweater and Prue's like you know change blindness is a thing I'm not sure that you necessarily noticed there's that. no way she would have really noticed that well I guess maybe if she saw the sweater and was like wow that pink sweater doesn't match Prue's coloring it looks terrible on her and then a second later she was wearing a black sweater I guess I could see that yeah Meanwhile, uh, Piper gets a phone call from... Yes, we do a phone transition. Pink Prue is calling Piper now. Pink Prue called Piper. Mm. And Piper's like, so am I talking to real Prue or can I be rude because it's just a clone? And Pink Prue's like, it's just a clone. And Piper's like, okay, have you idiots thought about what's going <laughs> to happen when you take away Gabriel's sword? And, Pru- and Pink Prue's like, well, I mean... He didn't do anything to our great aunt, great, great, great aunt, right? Like, it'll be fine. Yeah. Okay, so I don't like how cavalier the clone prus are. They seem to have no sense of self-preservation. I guess they're like Meeseeks hmm. from Rick and Morty. Where they're just waiting to die. I mean, weirdly enough... Existence is pain! God. Weirdly enough, you know what this reminds me of? What? Remember that episode of Sabrina with, like, the, where she makes herself a guy for, uh... Yes! And then he starts freaking out because he didn't want to die. And this was 90s Sabrina, but it was, would have been right at home with, uh, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. 90s Sabrina actually went to some weirdly dark places. It's just, it did it with a laugh track. Yeah, because they have the guy freaking out because he's like... You mean I only I only have 15 minutes before I die? And it's like, oh, laugh track. And then he's like freaking out and the laugh track's still going. And Why was I made? <laughs> My existence brings up so many questions, which we also will have later in the show when this show does that plot, which... <sighs> I'm just going to throw out there, there's another show out there, and I just like the way they handle clones much, much better. Orphan Black? No. Oh. Buffy somehow. Farscape. Oh, Farscape. Farscape I, I, is clones? I'm being coy because we haven't gotten there yet. Oh. Oh, are we going to get Clone Aaron? No. Clone John? Yes. Uh, or Clon, as he likes to be called. Clon! <laughs> so, where were we? <laughs> so Where were we even? Oh, right, right. Piper was being rude to Pink Clone and then she goes into the kitchen and sees blue clone throwing herself at her chefs okay okay so she's like okay she has her her sweater her blue cardigan which is the least sexy garment that exists a cardigan but she has it like sexily off her shoulders and then she's eating a single piece of pasta seductively also pasta one of the least sexy foods yeah Oh, come on. It's like she's got a really long, thin penis. You know, there's a lot of things working against Horngree Prue here. And yet she's she's doing it. She's uh, she's bringing the horny. She's trying so hard and it's just so not good. I love she's like, she's like, I was just trying the special, but I think it needs more parmesan and then she shoves her whole (laughs) she shoves her thumb in her mouth and it is okay does shannon doherty not know what sexy is because 
This is just so bad. I was more thinking about the poor chef who, like, leans in to put more Parmesan on the pasta. And he's like, I think she means something sexy, but there's no way that... I don't know what that could possibly mean, so I'm just going to shave some more Parmesan onto the pasta. Also, apparently, Quake serves buttered noodles. Is it, What is this, a restaurant for Abed? Yeah, it's weird, because there's no sauce on the pasta that she's eating. You know what the pasta could use? Sauce. Maybe it's maybe it's an Alfredo, and it's just hard to tell. Mm. Or maybe, you know, if they didn't put that much work into the fake food prop, because they didn't realize that 30 years from now, two people would be desperately overanalyzing. Uh, yeah, maybe the prop people were like, we're only going to see it for a second. Why are we putting that much thought into it? Anyway, Piper is mad at Prue, and she's like, you're not acting like the real Prue. And she's like, I am the part of the real Prue that doesn't get out to play enough. I want to get out to play. And then she, like, strokes Piper's face. And Ugh. Piper's real freaked out because, you know, it's her sister. It, and... it is freaky. But she says what we already knew. Pink Prue is conservative Prue, and she's horny, angry Prue. They really don't do a ton with this. It... This, this is an episode of missed potential. It really is. Like, it's, again, it's not a bad episode. It's just suffering from going against a bunch of episodes that are really strong thematically. I mean, my real problem with it is, why would you have an episode that involves a person splitting themselves into their component parts and not have it be about them making some sort of discovery about themselves? Honestly, they do a better version of this episode later after Prue gets her astral projection where in her sleep she's been sending her astral form out into the world. Yes. Yeah, and her astral form is very uninhibited and she's doing all of the things Prue wants to do but can't because, you know, she's got this responsibility. Which is a way better take on this. I, I can see kind of what they're going for here. It just doesn't super work. Yeah. So Pink Prue is wandering around... Uh, I guess she's trying to head out of the office. Yeah, she almost gets caught by Prime Prue and Claire, so she has to kind of duck back. She's in the parking lot. Yes. Garage. Yes. And then Gabriel throws a flashbang grenade at her? I, I mean, I get the logic, I guess, which is that if she's blinded, she won't be able to focus her power through her eyes. Oh, oh. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't even get that that's what he was doing. I was just like... Well, you might not have got what that's what he was doing because it doesn't work. Well, my thing was, I'm like, that's off theme for you. <laughs> you have a crystal sword and a flashbang grenade? That's not thematic. <laughs> but okay, I get it now. He was trying to... Okay. I, at least now it makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to let it go. So he's blinded Pink Prue, so she just sort of starts randomly telekinesising, and she kind of throws him back, but uh, he just gets up and stabs her. And when he stabs her, Prime Prue feels it. Yes. And he can tell, you know, after a couple of minutes that it's not real Prue because he doesn't get the power from fake Prue that he expected to get from Prime Prue. Is he's... that what he's at? I thought he was trying to avenge his honor or something, or... Does, does he get... No, no, I guess he's after her magic. Yeah, the only way to get back his honor is to take the magic of the person who defeated him. Except she's dead, so just her relatives. Yeah. yeah. Her rel... Well, remember, because the magic of the Charmed Ones is inherited. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I guess... It is her magic. Huh. Yeah. 
So, do you think that's why Paige's powers never really manifested until after Prue died? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Huh. Possibly. Yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Although, Piper and her mom were both around at the same- Do you think Piper didn't get her powers until her mom died? Although- Oh, no, no, the kid. The kids were all manifesting before. Yeah, oh, and obviously, uh, Grams had her telekinesis at the same time Prue had hers. Yeah, no, she doesn't have- She doesn't have her ancestors' powers the way, like- I have my grandmother's pearls. She has her ancestors' powers the way I have my grandmother's eyes. Yeah. Not literally, <laughs> of course. Gomez, take those out of his mouth. So Warrior Guy's sister's like, did you get it? Did you get her power? And he's like, she has no power. This isn't the real witch. And Actually, he's like, she has no power. He goes really crazy about it. Yeah, which, I mean, she had power. I mean... No, I think that the power, when she dies, just goes back into Prue. I wonder if that means Prue is three times stronger after this episode. Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. 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 Honestly, in the first season, at least, I feel like Prue's power is actually less effective than Piper's. Because we talk about it as the offensive power, but mostly what she does with it is shove people into walls. Like, she doesn't actually take anyone out with it. Well, Piper's isn't that great either in the beginning because she doesn't have a lot of control over it. Yeah, and it's just, this is a lot less, this is just a lot less, you know, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Effective than (laughs) Piper's later explosion power? I mean, that's true. Prue's power is offensive, but it's not really a finisher. None of them really has a finisher power until until Piper's able to blow things up. Well, Paige does get that thing she uses once where she orbs into someone and then makes them explode, which she uses one time and then it never comes up again. Fun fact, in the X-Men arcade game, mm-hmm. that's how you fight if you're Nightcrawler. Wow. Because Nightcrawler is one of the characters in the X-Men arcade game, but his power isn't really offensive at all definitely not 80s arcade offensive you just bamf into people wow dark it is it's the reason the x-men fighting games tend to give mystique one of those giant guns she was using in the 90s he's like her power is cool but it's not fighting game relevant right so prue feels herself die and uh, we cut to the coroner's office where Inspector Andy has been informed that there has been a murder, which is actually his job. Yeah, but he's been called down to identify the body of the murder victim, and it's Prue. Okay. I love how bored and not engaged he is until he notices it's Prue. Yeah, okay, so he's just like going through the personal effects bag, not even looking at the slab. And then when he sees the concert tickets that he gave Prue earlier... He, like, all of a sudden looks up and sees that Prue is laid out in the morgue, and (sighs) this is mean, I think. I feel like it's really mean to put Andy through this. Oh, yeah. And then to gaslight him later and be like, oh, it's just been a girl who looked like Prue. Don't worry about it. Don't don't worry that our fingerprints matched and she had tickets that you gave her. It's just coincidence. Yeah, I feel really bad for Andy. It sort of... (sighs) This show isn't willing to take him out of the limbo he was in in the first couple of episodes, which means that he can't really 
develop or go forward at all. Yeah, I think it's a real issue. I really do. There's a reason Andy doesn't make it out of season one. Which is a shame. They could have let him grow. He could have been an interesting character. Again, like the stuff we saw with early Andy, which I feel like that's also why current Andy is so wooden, because they stopped really giving him stuff. Okay, so after the truth is out there... And it hurts. And it hurts. They should have, instead of him freaking out, they should have had him come around at the end, or or even made it... Okay, so here's how I would have rewritten it. Mm-hmm. Made it kind of be a thing where before the spell is up, he's still wavering if he's going to come around or not. So then Prue has to make the decision herself if she's going to tell him or not. She doesn't have the answer. Mm-hmm. But then she decides to tell him, and he does come around, and then he gets, like, really into witchcraft. And he, like, even though he doesn't have the power, he knows all of the history, and he can bring them all of this information that shouldn't logically be in the Book of Shadows, but is when they need it to be. And he could be their, like... Uh, see, I was going in a different direction with him. I was thinking a good way, you know, around it would have been she tells him he accepts it. He's super into it, like we saw him be in the first episodes. But he keeps getting himself into situations like he's he takes unnecessary risks. And Prue ends up breaking up with him because she's like, this is this world is too dangerous for you. You can't be a part of this. And as long as we're together, you're going to be too into it. But he keeps on trying to be into it to prove himself, and then he gets killed at the end of season one. Okay, yeah, if you were going to kill off Andy, yes. Mine would be if you were going to keep him around. Oh, like as a long-term character. Yeah. Yeah, either of those would have been better than, like you said, this limbo they keep him in. But he see, Anyway, he sees Prue's body and is sad. Yes. And then we cut back to Phoebe practicing her boxing. Yes, she's just beating up the wooden dummy. The doorbell rings, she opens the door, and Andy just bursts in. Well, and he's crying. Max, he's crying. Poor Andy in this episode. He's like, he's so, he's so upset, and he, he's so sad for himself, but he also knows he has to be strong and deliver this news to Phoebe, and Phoebe's like, what color is your sweater? Was it pink? And he's like, yeah. And, and she's Phoebe- like, oh, whatever fine Prue's dead whatever god andy you're being so silly andy and andy's like what what why aren't you reacting your sister's dead and here's the thing even though that they're gonna gaslight him later and be like oh it's just someone who looked a lot like Prue." there's no way for phoebe to know that phoebe needs to be reacting differently to this news <laughs> i do love how like she's freaking out at first too because you know dead sister but she she just focuses on in on the sweater and then as soon as he says the word pink she's like oh thank god yeah he's like what is wrong with you and she's like well you know i didn't really get along with prue that well (laughs) and then horngry prue comes in the back and and it it is like hey andy nice tie want to screw and andy's like what (laughs) and then Real Prue comes in, and Piper just freezes him. And, uh, yeah, they have a little debriefing where Prue's like, yeah, I, I kind of, I felt myself die, so. Yeah. It's not great. It's messed up. Like, uh, hmm. And Piper's like, you know what? 
we'll just deal with, yeah, you felt yourself die, whatever. We'll deal I, with that later. I mean, to be fair, she's like, one crisis at a time. Yeah. <laughs> you get out of here so Andy doesn't see two Prues, even though he already saw dead Prue, and now he sees a live Prue. And he's like, how can this be? You were dead. I saw you. You were on a slab. And Piper's like, well, you know how they say everyone has a twin? And Andy's like, what? What? Like, they're, they're, here's the thing. There's no good lie for this. I, I can't think of a single good lie for what he could have seen. Really, the only answer is to tell him the truth. But they don't. They just tell him he's crazy and send him away, which is so unfair to Andy. Yeah. Prue's like, Blue Prue, Horn Gree Prue is like, hey, Andy, if you're feeling less like, you know, a crazy loner weirdo later, we can bang it out. But as for right now, I think you should leave until you stop being a crazy loner weirdo. Now, I like that Andy is kind of clued in that something is off. So he asks Horn Gree Prue if she thought about the concert. And Horn Gree Prue is like, oh, did you get the tickets? Because, of course... She doesn't know that he gave the tickets to conservative Prue. Mm. So he's like, yeah, I did. And then leaves because he knows something's up, but he has no context for what it could possibly be because who would? How do you not know they're witches yet? Well, I mean, even if you knew they were witches, I feel like you wouldn't necessarily jump to what actually happened. It's pretty weird. It, it is, but you fought a Wendigo with them. I know. I know. You just, you fought a Wendigo. It seems like this should be a conversation you should be able to have. But... I mean, okay, so I would like it so much more. I'm, I'm going to pitch another rewrite now. Because mm-hmm. they've done a little bit of Andy as Fox Mulder. Mm-hmm. I would like it more if they just really leaned into it, okay? If he just went, like, full Mulder and was like, There are witches! And he was like having his spreadsheets and his Pepe de Silvia boards down at the station, and everybody was like, ah, there goes Spooky Trudeau again. And... I think that they should make him both Mulder and Rickety Cricket from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, we're, we're just... Because he's hanging out with them, just the terrible things that keep happening to him, like, it, just hanging out with them, being in their orbit, just ruins his life to a greater and greater extent every time he's near them. Yeah. By the end of season one, he's basically, like, a head on a skateboard who, like, lives in their house and they have to feed him grape juice with a straw. Poor Andy. I'm just saying, there's so many ways they could have gone with him, and instead they chose to do nothing. As Andy leaves, we see the sister watching the house and, you know. Yeah, Gabriel's sister. Yes. I'm sorry, there are too many sisters. There are, the there are a lot of sisters. But back in the manor, Horngree Prue is like, what are we going to do now? Now there's only two of us, and there needs to be three of us. So she suggests that Prue cast a spell again, and Prue's like, yeah, no, that didn't go well. I'm not happy with the way that worked out. I mean, honestly, just cast the spell like four times and then telekinetically throw him into space. Do you remember the Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity? I remember it existing. I don't think I actually saw it. So he, like, clones himself and then has himself, like, do all of the drudge work he doesn't want to do, like, go to work and mow the yard, and then, like, the prime him just gets to enjoy life. It's much like that episode of Gravity Falls and also, like, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror that was based on it. Yeah. But then there's... The clones decide that they want someone to do all the work. They don't want to be doing all the work. So they make another clone, but 
they explain it's like making a copy of a copy. So that clone is a little off. Mm. Like Paper Jam. Like Paper Jam Dipper? Yes. Or that one episode of Futurama where Bender has that machine that makes smaller versions of himself. Like it copies him, but... uh... Yes, yes. Well, I was just thinking I would have enjoyed it if... Horngree Prue had gone to do the spell since Prime Prue won't do it, and then instead of creating, you know, more Prues, it had created a very angry Prue and a very horny Prue, and then Horngree Prue. <laughs> and it just keeps going like that. Yeah. I thought you just wanted to see Paper Jam Prue. <laughs> oh, okay. Horngree Prue realizes that. Gabriel has a weird burning passion for his sister, so that's the in. Well, I mean, so because she's not, because she doesn't have any of the conservative aspects of Prue, she can come up with the really evil plan, which is just take the thing he loves and threaten it until he gives us the sword. Yeah. I don't know why she thinks he likes his sister that much. There was... Yeah, we've seen no evidence of that. They had one interaction where, you know... She was in a room with him, and he didn't seem to actively hate her. Yeah, it's it's a, it's definitely a leap. So we cut to the fancy, fancy house where Gabriel and his sister are. And his sister's leaning on him, and she's like, Hey, I saw one of them leaving the restaurant, and I saw the other one in the house. She's leaning really close to him for siblings. Have you, have you uh, read A Song of Ice and Fire? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she says that she changed her mind. They should attack them in the manor, but they should do it at night when the girls are asleep and therefore will definitely be helpless. Why don't more demons do that? Well, it doesn't go well for them. Yeah, but I mean, later in the show, when G- later in the show, demons just kind of show up when they're hanging out in the sunroom and attack them. Just show up at like two o'clock in the morning. You're, I mean, yeah, they probably are going to be less effective at night. Back at the manor... Piper and Phoebe go to talk to Prue. And again, look, I can't get over how rude they are to the clones. I really can't. Mm. They go into the room where Prue and Horngry Prue are, and they're like, we need to talk to our sister. Our real sister in private. It's important. Sister stuff. Like, she is essentially also your sister. You know that, right? Right? I mean, we'll get into it. Speaking of creating, you know, men for brief personal use this show actually does that a couple of times i know i'm aware and it just raises a whole host of super uncomfortable questions yeah yeah i mean i guess there's a reason you only see this sort of thing in uh shows with female leads because it you know it becomes super obvious how horrifying it is yeah i mean once you swap the genders it's like oh wait this is bad yeah yeah. Just see anything where a guy builds himself a robot wife. Yeah. I wonder if that's a sexism thing where men have, like, the robot girlfriend, whereas women just magically create dudes. It's like your thing with uh, time travel. Right, where men tend to time travel through science in fiction and women tend to time travel through magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Now that I've said it, you're going to see it everywhere. Yeah. So... The reason that Piper and Phoebe wanted to corner Prue is to tell her that her plan of going with Horngree Prue to Gabriel's house and threatening his sister is a terrible plan. I mean, honestly, just forcing a confrontation isn't the worst idea in the world. I know, their plan is to just hide. 
And their point is you don't want to go attack him on his home turf. And I get that. But also you don't want to let him choose the time of the engagement. Yeah. So I, they're better off going and maybe maybe doing a little bit of recon and then... Or if you're going to stay home, just stay home and layer the house in protective spells. What's that? God. They like never cast protective spells. So... So, Horngree Prue hears this discussion through the door, even though she's left, and she decides that the thing she has to do is go attack Gabriel by herself. Yes, she wants to protect her real sisters and the real Prue, because her real sisters need the real Prue, and since she is the real Prue, she has the same protectiveness over them, and... Oh, that's why we had the moment earlier where she was like, why are you always checking up on your sisters? They had to establish how protective Prue is of her sisters because they've never established that before in this show. I mean, I guess it's a little bit. But but only the way that they're all protective of each other. Not like... I don't know. I feel like that is sort of a through line in the, in the show, at least early on. It's part of why Prue doesn't really trust her sisters. Because she's the adult, because she had to raise them, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Grams was not a great person. Well, I mean, she was one older woman who just lost her daughter and had to take care of three little girls. That's hard. Yeah. That's, I have that, a lot of sympathy for Grams. That is true. God, yeah. I want a Grams show. I'm so excited for the next episode. I know. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hungry yes. Prue runs off. <laughs> and uh, the three sisters realize that, oops, she overheard everything, and oops, she's going to go do Prue's plan because, you know. They decide they have to go stop her, and I know I've been all like, why are they being so mean to the clones? Because really, why are they being so mean to the clones? But do they have to go stop her? I mean, best case scenario, she it works, and they're dead. The Gabriel and his sister are dead. Worst case scenario, she dies, and you already hate her, so... Well, I guess Prue probably doesn't want to feel herself die again. But... I mean, you probably were going to anyway. Yeah. I can't imagine the uncreation feeling great if just the task lapses. I, what, does it feel good then? Or? I, I don't know. Anyway, over at Gabriel's house, they have grabbed Horngry Prue, has grabbed his sister, and stuffed her into an Iron Maiden. She's got a real uh, Elizabeth Banks quality to her, the sister. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, like a like a less sarcastic Elizabeth Banks. I do love that Hongri Prue is like slowly crushing her in it and Gabriel like draws his sword and she's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna crush her faster, dude. Yeah, she's got her telekinesis, so she's like slowly closing the Iron Maiden with her telekinesis. She's pretty good with it. I feel like Prue kind of She's she's showing a lot of control. Yeah. I mean I guess Prue was doing that stuff when she was cleaning yesterday. Prue seems better with her powers when she's not using them for, like, uh, demon fighting purposes. Maybe she's better with, like, fine manipulation than, like, throwing things and punching things. Mm. It, I think based on what we've seen, that might be the case. So, Gabriel's like, look, I'm gonna kill you no matter what, but if you let my sister go, I'll make it, you know, quick and painless for you and for the real Prue. He, he realizes that this is not the real Prue. Yeah, and, uh... You know, because why would it be the real Prue? Why would you send the real Prue in to, you know? Yeah. Well, he says he'll make it quick and painless if uh, she lets his sister go. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And so then he pulls a Keanu Reeves from Speed, right? Shoot the hostage. Or in this case, throw a sword through the hostage. Which, 
That seems unnecessary, dude. You probably could have just thrown it at Prue, as long as you're throwing it at... Yeah, you probably would have hit her. Oh. Yeah. Also, I feel like this plot would have worked better if she was, like, his lover instead of his sister, because that was the vibe they had anyway, so... Yeah, that would have been better. Anyway, in the car on the way to Gabriel's house, the sister's Prue feels... Horngry Prue die. Yes. So I guess they turn around because they're like, well, no point in sacrificing ourselves. Back to the house. Yes. So back at the house, Phoebe's talking about how he, this guy can't be killed by the weapons of man, but, you know, could they just use a magic weapon on him? Or like a giant rocket launcher? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's a judge situation. But instead, Phoebe's like, wait, isn't the crystal sword not a weapon of man? Can't we just kill him with his own sword? Which, yes, thank you, uh, Phoebe, for, you know, saying the thing anyone who's ever played D&D would think of immediately. Yeah. Also, like, your witches, is it that unlikely that you could summon a, you know, magical weapon of some kind? Well, they're untrained witches. You know, they only have, like, their natural instincts. They don't have... You know, book learning. You know, (laughs) book of shadows learning. Yeah. You know what would have been, I think, I mean, it it wouldn't be set up or really supported by the narrative at all, but they should, uh, they should have killed Gabriel with uh, Grimes' statue. (laughs) I mean, it would have been, uh, it would have been more interesting, I think, than what we see. Also, if you can't be killed by any weapon forged by man, uh, putting aside, uh, I, uh, I am no man. Yes, putting the I am no man thing aside, couldn't they kill him with something that's not a weapon? Could they hit him with a car? It's not a weapon. Hmm. Interesting theory. I'm just saying, you have options. So, Prue decides that Phoebe's plan is a good plan. She's so excited about this good plan that she gives Phoebe a hug. And when she does, Phoebe has a vision of Gabriel throwing a flashbang through their window and jumping in. And is like, oh! It's go time. It's go time. It's nice of her premonition to actually do it before stuff starts happening for once. Yeah, no, seriously, the way her premonitions usually go, she would get that premonition and then immediately it would happen. Yeah, the flashbang would come right through the... Remember when she had the premonition of Javna grabbing her literally seconds before he grabbed her? Yeah, her premonition's kind of a jerk sometimes. (laughs) Meanwhile, Andy's doing some high quality corpse staring. Yeah, he's at the morgue, and he's like, okay, this is definitely Prue. We took her fingerprints. It's Prue's fingerprints. I'm staring at her face. Definitely her face. The morgue guy is so honked off at Andy. Well, the morgue guy doesn't know that Andy has already seen Prue alive. He's like, I ran the records like you asked me to. I went through everything. It's definitely this girl, Prue. I don't know why you keep questioning me. Do you know how underfunded morgues are? Do you know how much time and resources you're taking away from other dead people? Although I think they probably wanted to establish, for those of you in the audience who don't know, that it's impossible, even if they were twins, that they would have the same fingerprints. So this is definitely Prue, and there's literally no mortal explanation for this being Prue. Hmm. I think that might have been the real reason for that scene. Oh, I'm sure it was, but it it also... Seems kind of extra and unnecessary. I, I know, you're right. Like, why have an extra scene convincing Andy that there's no good explanation for this if you're just going to not give him an explanation and tell him he's losing it? Yeah. Yeah. At the manor, it's time for the 
fight scene to happen. I love uh, Prue put on sunglasses so that when the flashbang came through the window, she didn't actually get blinded. Would that work? No. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but no. I can't imagine it would. So he bursts into the living room and what was his plan if no one was in the living room? I mean, I guess he was probably waiting until he saw a figure, but there Pru, are other Yeah, Prue was in the living room, so I think he was probably like looking through the window or something. So, the room is full of smoke, and he sees a figure moving, and he throws the sword into it. But it's not a person, it's the fighting dummy that Phoebe bought. Oh. So, Piper freezes him, and then Phoebe kicks him out of being frozen, and... Prue's like, you better summon your sword, dude. And he's like, I am going to summon my sword, and then I'm going to kill you. And as he's summoning it, she just kind of flips it around, and he's like, oh no, my one weakness, getting stabbed in the chest. Yeah, so when he summons the sword, instead of catching the hilt, the blade goes into his chest. Although, I, not Why? to be a nitpicker, but shouldn't the blade have gone into his hand? Yes. Also, also... Why didn't they just leave him frozen? And just stab him? <laughs> yeah. It seems like there was a bunch of unnecessary steps there so that, uh... I mean, it, it makes why sense. Why didn't they just go to his house, have, have... Why didn't they just go to his house, have Piper freeze him, and then stab him with the sword? I mean, it makes sense if, like, there was a step in there where he had to do it himself. Yeah. We didn't get that step, but I, I'm willing to make the leap that that was a thing. So it worked. We can't complain about it. Yeah. So doorbell rings and it is Andy who is still very upset about this whole Prue still being alive thing. Prue's like, Andy, it's four o'clock in the morning. What's wrong with you? And he's like, oh, oh, what's wrong with me? Like poor Andy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm taking you to the morgue whether you want to go or not. And I'm going to make you stand next to this corpse and I'm going to stare at your identical faces until this makes sense. And poor Andy, because, of course, the mission is complete. So when Prue gets to the morgue and Andy opens up the drawer, there's nothing in it except the pink sweater. This was really good timing on his part. Really poor timing. Okay, so I do like that Prue points out that they drove in complete and total <laughs> silence. Yes, they did the thing where, where they're like, I'll tell you where we're going. And then they open up the door of the morgue and he's like, we're going to the morgue. But she actually acknowledged. She's like, we were sitting in silence for 20 minutes, Andy. What's going on? And as much as I hate what they're doing to Andy in this episode, I do appreciate that Prue doesn't try to explain anything. She's just like, I don't know what you want me to say, Andy. What What do you want me to say? Poor Andy. I know, right? Meanwhile, the newspaper is reporting on Helena's death. Yeah, and they say that the only thing near her was a lone blue sweater. Okay. Do you think Claire has any questions? Because if I was Claire, I would be kind of suspicious of Prue. Well, okay, last week somebody went to Prue's house for a dinner party and then went mad. And this week she tried to get Prue to take a new client on and that client got murdered mysteriously. Yeah, I might have some questions if I were Claire. I would think I would stop yelling at Prue so much if I was Claire. I mean, to be fair, my first question if I was Claire would be, why am I here at the auction house when I'm a banker? So, they're all debriefing after, you know, the episode's events. Piper's like, well, that wraps up inventory. 
barely a subplot. I mean, it really wasn't even a subplot. It was something that gets mentioned like three times over the course of the episode, which I guess adds flavor, but yeah, seems weird. They do like a real sisterly thing where this is supposed to be Prue acknowledging that she can't do everything herself. I feel like that should have been a stronger through line. I know I've said a lot of things should have been stronger through lines, but that's just the way this episode is. It feels like this episode had a lot of really good plot hooks and just kind of didn't use any of them. Well, the theme that they were going for here was Prue tries to do everything herself. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that she creates more of herself rather than rely on her sisters. And then in the end, her sisters are the ones who come through for her. Like, saying that out loud, that sounds good, but that's not really the way it was emphasized. Yeah. Yeah. So, also, she bought a gift basket for her assistant for, you know... Her assistant? Her conser... Because conservative Prue was such a huge jerk to her. Oh, no, I'm just... I'm just still flummoxed that she exists. (laughs) Well, later in the show, when Phoebe becomes Ask Phoebe, like, she has an assistant, but only for personal stuff. Well, I think that's just because Phoebe's a terrible poss. Hmm. All right, so let's wrap this up. Last scene. So Andy has started a giant ass file on Prue, which just has like all of the murder scenes she's shown up at and all of the weird stuff, that feather she stole from the uh, museum. It's his X file or his his H file, as it were. He also has a newspaper clipping or like a magazine clipping. It's like from Parade Magazine about witchcraft. So, you know... You fought a Wendigo together. You have all the pieces. What are we doing here? She's, uh, I know I bring this up so often, but she telekinetically threw a dessert cart at you. She telekinetically popped your airbag in your face. Like. Andy, what are you doing? Pull a Harvey Kinkle at the end of season four of Sabrina. Are we going to talk about the fact that you're a witch? Yeah. Ugh, I'm so sad Sabrina got more seasons, only because that was such a perfect last line of the series. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, well. Oh, well. That's the end of this episode of Charmed. We were kind of rough on it, but I think that's mostly because it's such unfulfilled potential. Yes, yes. It could have been, like, it was a rewrite away from being a truly great episode. And it was, it's in the midst of... A bunch of really good episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Speaking of. Yes, next time we're going to be doing episode 17 of season one, that 70s episode. Grams, 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 grams. The Netflix description is, after a run-in with a demon who's responsible for the death of the sister's mother, Prue, Piper, and Phoebe are transported back to the 1970s. Wait, really? That happens here? Yeah. I thought that didn't happen until later. Because isn't that when they meet... I think they only... I think... I believe that the first time they meet him, it's just for like a second and it doesn't really... It's not really delved into. And then there's like a longer episode with him. Okay, because I thought that the episode where they meet uh, Sam, their mother's white lighter, and Paige's dad... Mm-hmm. I thought that was the episode where they dealt with the demon because... Yeah, they, no, they, I, I don't think they really deal with him here. I think it's just... He's just like an impetus in this episode. If I remember it correctly. But it's been a couple of years since I did a, a Charmed rewatch, so. Yeah. It, it, it has been a while since I watched the uh, yeah, Charmed, I guess. Yeah. In general. So I think that'll bring us to our segments. Yeah. Okay. So our segments. Alright. So our first segment, Premonitions, where we look into the future or past and see which actors from this episode are famous, will become famous, or were famous at some point. 
don't have anything. Do you have anything? I also had nothing. I, I, I don't think anyone from this was ever in anything. Yeah, we should skip over that segment this week. Well, I mean, okay. it's not like Phoebe always has premonitions. That's true. Which will bring us to our second power in our pack, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode? Okay, I think I know what you're going to say, so I'm going to say something different. All right. When Andy shows up and is like, Prue, but I just saw you dead. Prue says, well, you know how they say everyone has a twin somewhere? Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a plot in a lot of shows in like the 80s and the 90s. Escape from Witch Mountain. Yeah, I feel like the everybody has a duplicate who's somehow completely unrelated to them was a thing that pop culture used to do and like quicksand has stopped doing. Are, are we going to... Are we going to talk about the whole Danny Gonzalez talking about Paul Zimmer thing where that guy tried to tried to start a new social media thing pretending to be someone else and just pretended that, you know. He just pretended he was an entirely different guy named Troy Becker? Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, but yeah. dang. My thing is definitely uh, the villain's hair, which it's a really, really era-specific mullet. I don't know if mullets are making a comeback now because no one has good access to barbers. It's like a permed mullet. It's terrible. It's but it's very era specifically terrible. Yes. Yes, it's it's definitely a 90s mullet, not like an 80s mullet. Yeah. And that will bring us to the last power in our pack, telekinesis. What genuinely moved you this episode? Uh so for me, it's the moment where you see Horngry Prue overhearing the sister's conversation and deciding that she's going to go and sacrifice herself to take down the villain and save everybody else. Oh, that was going to be mine. Oh. Because I guess it's the most emotionally resonant, you know, moment in the episode. But yeah, the fact that she's like, okay, since I'm not a real person, like, I'm expendable. At least I can do this. For the people I love. Yeah. Which, God. I, I really feel like this, I really feel like the sister's are are not as good to the clones as they should be. They mm. give the clones a raw deal here. Keep that in mind for later <laughs> in this series, how the sisters think about other people, especially magically created people. <sighs> yeah. And I guess that'll about do it for this week. Yeah, I guess that will. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you can head to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I love TV zines on Twitter or I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Halloween Manor. Bye.